Lord, be born in us today as we hear your word. Open our hearts and our minds to all that you want to say. Lord, I want, I want to get out of the way of what you want to say to each of us. Let your spirit speak. We receive you now. Your name, amen. Waiting. Who wants to wait? We do a lot of it, but rarely would somebody say, man, I just can't wait to wait. <laughs> sure, there are a few things we don't mind waiting for. A good meal, a vacation, a new device. I mean, one man spent 10 days in line waiting for a brand new iPhone. And there may be a few other things that we'll, we, we will be patient about receiving, but mostly not. Yes, we wait. Listen to these facts. On average, people of the United States wait 20 minutes a day for the bus or a train, 32 minutes when they visit a doctor, 28 minutes in security lines when they travel, 21 minutes for a significant other to get ready to go out. <laughs> Well, yeah, we won't stop on that one. Uh, thir <laughs> 13 hours annually waiting on hold for customer service. Oh, yeah. Okay. 38 hours each year waiting in traffic, and it's 50 if you live in a big city. And we spend about six months of our lives waiting in a line for something. Feels like that at Disneyland some moments. <laughs> waiting. Not easy. Now, we've all experienced waiting for Christmas Day for the gifts. Some of you kids in here are waiting. I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter at home, and she's just, okay, one more sleep, one more sleep. She's waiting. Many believe that, of course, the following sentence is in the Bible. Good things come to those who wait. Guess what? It's not in the Bible. That's a good, that's a good trivia question for you to throw out there. True or false? It's not. But the Bible does tell us plenty about waiting. And that's what we've been doing these four weeks of Advent. Waiting for what? Waiting for Jesus, the light of the world. So today, on this day before Jesus' birthday, we explore another passage in Isaiah that shows us the ways, the way we wait, and the fruit of waiting as experienced by the people then, and as we can experience it now. So as we continue this series in Isaiah on holding out hope, on preparing the way of the Lord, if you would like, you may turn to Isaiah 62 in your Bibles, or you may see it up on the screen as well. We are going to uh, read this in three different sections. But before we jump into that, I, I want to give you a little bit of, a, you know, the bigger story just for a moment so that we're not just jumping in cold here on Isaiah 62. In e there are three different sections in the book of Isaiah. And being reminded of this will help us to appreciate what I'm about ready to, to speak on. There are three different periods. The first one is in chapters 1 to 33, and that's where the kings are getting judged. They're experiencing judgment for their actions, for their disobedience. But Isaiah reminds them, and God reminds them, that they're not going to be utterly destroyed. There's always a glimmer of hope in the Lord. The second section is 40 to 55. And the prophet here assures all these people that have been thrown out of their country and they left that their God has not abandoned them. 
and that soon he would lead them home. And finally, in this section in which we find ourselves, we move from hopelessness and despairing to the Lord reminding everybody that it's going to be better. As a person who is generally positive, I'm not positive 100% of the time, but I love this part of Isaiah, because we get to the hope. We get to the good stuff. And so today we look at a passage that's promise and restoration. And so let's look at that. And before we do that, I would hear, if you forget everything else that's said this morning, here's the big thing. Waiting works. Waiting works. And that is the primary message of this Advent as we wait. So Isaiah 62, we're going to read the first five verses. Here we go. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem a crown in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight is in her and your land married for the Lord delights in you and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, I saw that yesterday, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Key truth number one, we wait in love. We wait in, in the love of our God who loves us. In verse four, you notice it says, our God delights in us. Delight in the Hebrew is to take joy or pleasure in. Some of you who know me well know I spent a lot of years in Maryland. I delight in Chesapeake Bay seafood. I delight in a pile of steamed crabs and getting all messy and pulling meat out. I delight in that. What do you delight in? It's just hard to get enough of something when you delight in it. God delights in us. And some of you may be delighting in some new gifts that may be coming your way over this Christmas season. And he defines this for the people by making six declarations. I'm just reviewing these, what we just read. They shall be called by a new name that God will give. They will be a crown of beauty. They will no longer be named forsaken. How many of you know what your name means? Have you ever looked up what your first name means? Anybody? Am I the only one? Yeah, some of us have. That's fascinating. Do that sometime. Our names do mean something. And in the, in the biblical times and in, in Middle Eastern cultures and even in our uh, indigenous culture here in the United States, often they would, they, their name would be much longer because they would go with the meaning of their name. And uh, I went to a, a Bible bookstore years ago and I saw my name on a plaque and it said, Seeker of Light. And I thought, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I looked up my name in the dictionary. You know what it means? It's Gaelic for black water. Let's get real. So 
How would you like it if your name meant forsaken? Right? God says no more. Their land will no longer be desolate. Their new name will be my delight is in her. Their land shall be married. Or in broader terms, a, a committed, promised, covenantal relationship with God. Our God through Jesus and even before came to make his people new. Now, I don't know where you find yourself on this day, on this Christmas Eve morning. Perhaps you feel a little stuck in the darkness. And you're desperately seeking the light that you know is out there. And perhaps you can see that light and it's very small and faint. Or perhaps you're in a time where I am right now just living in this light. <laughs> no matter where you are, remember that we wait in the love of God. Almighty God puts his arms around you. He will make all things new as we trust God to do his work. Waiting works. Now let's look at the second section, verses 6 to 9 of Isaiah. Upon your walls, O Jerusalem, I have posted sentinels all day and all night, and they shall never be silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it renowned throughout the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies and foreigners shall not drink the wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord and those who gather it shall drink it in my holy courts. Key truth number two, we wait in peace. Isaiah talks about the image of sentinels or watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem, watching out for the safety of the people. And you know, this imagery of watchmen, of sentinels, is often used in the Bible to depict prophets and leaders or those who pray on behalf of the people, emphasizing the importance of spiritual vigilance and dedication to God. And as we walk with God, he puts people around us who can be those watchmen, those sentinels who guide us through decisions, offering wisdom, praying for us. Early in the pandemic, our staff read a blog together that talked about not only our need to be shepherds as your pastors, but to be overseers, to be sentinels, to protect and to care for all of you as you protect and you care for us as well. And it takes all of us. Who are the sentinels in your life? I thought about that as I studied this and I thought I've had praying grandparents and parents in my life. I had volunteer youth leaders who affirmed me and they called me out when I needed to be called out. I've had senior citizens in my growing up churches. They had much wisdom to share with me. They put their arms around me. They prayed for me. I've had children's and, children and youth and adults in this church who have prayed for me, who have been sentinels. So how might God use you to be a sentinel, a watch person, an overseer in other people's lives? And God promises he will not give away the resources that he's given us. What 
we have worked for, we will keep as we're faithful to him, just as the people then. And you know, everybody, we are surrounded by God who's merciful. He has given us things, and we have sometimes wasted them, haven't we? But yet God's mercy is with us. He loves us. He calls us to wait in peace, not fretting over what we have done in the past, but receiving what he has for us now. God mercifully came to this earth to live among us. He gave his only son to die on a cross, to be buried and resurrected so that we might all have peace. We wait in peace and waiting works. Final section, verses 10 to 12. Go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift up an ensign over the peoples. The Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, see your salvation comes. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. They shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, and you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Key truth number three, we wait in joy. We wait in joy, which is the attitude of having hope. There you go. I just included all four candles of the wreath in our teaching today. All four right there. We wait in joy knowing we can go forward because God holds out hope. And in this part of the chapter, we find God's action plan. It's mapped out clearly for us. Number one, go through the gates. You can go in. You are welcome. You're not excluded or kept out by walls. This is your place to be. I've been at this church for almost 40 years. This church has welcomed and loved people who have walked in the door. We, we want you to come through the gate. It's allowed me to come through the gate. God opens the gate for us. That's the very first thing. God says, go through the gates. And then to know that others are following you. Prepare the way for the people. They will be they will see you go through and they will be excited to go in well. Have you ever stood in a line and you didn't know where it was going for sure? <laughs> I, would, I thought that came to me. I thought, sometimes I've been in airports and Brad Elliott and I joke about sometimes we're going to run a stanchion service for uh, places that don't know how to do lines very well. Uh, it's frustrating, isn't it? But the, this passage reminds us that People are going in. All you have to do is look for those people going in. Follow them. You'll know you're in the right line. And then he says, build up. And you notice it says twice. It says, build up. Build up the highway. Now, living in carpentry, all my carpentry friends will say amen to this. We have been dealing with a lot. And those of you who commute from Ventura or go down there, like, you know, there's a mess down there. And it's coming together, but there's a mess. And they are building up a highway and will be for the rest of our lives, it feels like. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, it's a process, right? It's a process. I get fascinated. I, sometimes I have to be careful I don't go off the road because I go, whoa, what did they just do? Oh, you know. Uh, but I, I'm fascinated with the strategic plan of that. They are building it up. 
and it's done with great intentionality because if a couple of people get this bridge wrong, it's going to really mess things up. And it takes time. Yes, it does take time. But build up. What are we doing to build up the way so that people can more easily access? And it may take time. Some of you, a lot of people tried to build up a highway for you for years and years and years. And they waited on the Lord for you. Who is it you're waiting on the Lord for? How can you build up a highway? And then he says, clear out the stones. And I don't know how many of you have been to Israel before. There's a lot of similarities between Santa Barbara and Israel and the climate and a lot of plants, except they have way more rocks, a lot of rocks. And when the Bible talks about when Jesus said, if, if, we, if you don't praise the very rocks will cry out. He was not kidding. There are millions of rocks everywhere and they have to be cleared out. And so we make the highway smoother as we pull those rocks out. And, you know, of course, often they use those rocks for altars and memorials to remember. So they always did that. And then finally, he says, lift up an ensign over the peoples. And that was meaning to hoist up a flag for the people, get it rallying around that. And I thought about, in some ways, our church, our church, and we're not, the, uh, we're not the only great church in town or in the world, and we're certainly not perfect, but this can be an ensign. This is the place where we chose to rally under this flag in this little part of the kingdom of God, and we can rally together, and the Lord wants us to do that, to, to find a family where we feel included. And so we get to verses 11 and 12, and we find out that the Lord has proclaimed what he has broadcast to the world, and this adds to the hope of the people and gives them joy and brings them salvation. With God, there's always a way out. He gives us deliverance. There's always a way out through Jesus who came to save and to deliver us. He is prepared to complete what he's promised. And Isaiah said, we're going to be given new names, holy people and the redeemed of the Lord. You know, redeemed is one of those Christianese words that gets thrown around and you, you just kind of come to church and you never really maybe sometimes think about what does it mean to be redeemed? Nowadays, we have gift cards all the time. When you take the gift card in, you know, you redeem it. But I love the theology of redemption also, in, in, in the context of time, uh, I, I made it a practice years ago when I was going out to an appointment, maybe to meet with somebody, and maybe something happened and they were very late or they didn't show up at all. I always took a book with me and redeemed the time. And I love that, that that's what God does in our life through Jesus. Whatever stuff we've done in the past that has destroyed pieces of our lives or wasted pieces of our life, Jesus has come to help us redeem that and make it new and good again. And then he finally says, you're going to be a city that's sought out, a city not forsaken, the place to be on the bucket list of everybody to be there. So we wait in love, we wait in peace, we wait in joy, recognizing that waiting is hard 
and that we have hope in the coming of Jesus Christ, who became flesh and dwelt among us. So may we wait in expectancy rather than expectation. I read an Advent devotional a couple of days ago, and I thought, that's a great distinction. Expectations, we have a checklist. Here's what we expect to happen. And, you know, we come into these days, into the, especially in the Christmas season, there's so many expectations. And, of course, media plays it up and makes it even harder. Expectancy is the eager anticipation of something without a checklist. It's that moment when you receive a present that's just given out of love and you never expected it. That's expectancy. We wait in that. So on the first Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of hope. On the second, we lit the candle of peace. On the third, we lit the candle of joy. And, tonight, and today, the candle of love. And tonight, we will light that Christ candle. And through the great, great love of God, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to be a light in our dark world and to bring us light. So that we will not lose hope. We will wait. And we will continue to wait because we have hope. And here it is. And we do not wait alone. We do not wonder if we are in the right line. We do not have to ask whether this is worth waiting for. We wait with the family of God. And one day when we go through those gates into eternity, all those who waited before us will be cheering as we receive our salvation fully given and feel the full love of God on us as he delights in us. Waiting works. Let's wait together, shall we? Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.